1: In the Gospels, Jesus asks a rhetorical question. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? We'll take a look at the reverse of that question coming up next. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? In other words... Is there any benefit to gaining all there is in this life and losing the one to come? That is why we would rather have Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews makes this perfectly clear in chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. There are many ways that men would say, our way to God. There is only one that He has chosen, that He has accepted, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's see if we can't gain Christ For the sake of our souls as we lose the world. Here's Pastor Phil with today's program.
2: Christ represents us perpetually before the throne of God. We have a high priest and guess where he is? He is in the presence of God. He has passed through the heavens and he's gone to the true sanctuary and he is there permanently representing his people. Not once a year, every moment of the year. He is there. And so he tells his people, in me, you are represented continually before God. I don't make a once a year trip. I didn't have to offer any sacrifice for my own sins. And I actually, I pray for you by name. I call out your name to God. I don't say blessed valley Bible. He gets down to blessing you individually. Can you believe that Christ can remember your name? See, we're hoping in the two services you'd wear name tags and get acquainted. Remember, we're starting at 10. I know both groups are mixed up, 9 and 11 group. You both have to fudge a little. Just give. Show up. We'll start when you get here. Get acquainted with uh, the nine. We actually have Christians in the 9 a.m. service. And get acquainted with the others. But just think up there that according to John, you're, you are called by, I know my sheep by name. And so we have access. And he says that we draw nine. And he's going to say in chapter 10, we actually take for granted that today, as you pray, as you praise God, You literally, whatever, you have immediate access and you're literally being represented in the third heaven right now. Right now. According to Ephesians, now now listen, you you are already seated up there in heaven. Some of you have been saved so long, it doesn't even bother you. That's not bad. You need to go back under the old covenant where you, you couldn't get access Or you take Philippians 3.20, your citizenship is in heaven, but you better pay your taxes by April 15th. I mean, God sees his people already in his presence, continually in his presence. Access to God's presence is an immediate thing anytime we want to go there. Anytime. And we take it for granted. We still struggle with our prayer life, maybe, or, or struggle. Could Am I good enough to go to heaven? Well, if you're his child, you, you have already landed there positionally. We just got to get your body to catch up. You're there. Guaranteed in your high priest. Two, he is representing us there on the basis of his blood. It's verse 12. He entered into this place not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. When we speak of the blood of Christ, now now follow me. We're not talking about his blood plasma per se. Okay? Some people think that when he went to heaven, he took his blood plasma material blood and the the atonement wasn't complete because they're going the Old Testament until you took it to the throne and you sprinkled blood was the cross work completed on the cross or did it have to be applied up there See, we understand he went to heaven to the third heaven is our high priest by means of on account of His blood. Now, follow me. The blood of Christ saves. Does that mean the blood plasma saves? Blood, used in the Old Testament and New, watch this, equals a violent death. That was the way it was used primarily. Leon Morris, Apostolic Preaching of the Cross out of Australia. This is the reference. That's the book you want to read on it. That it really meant not a lamb who died of pneumonia or a lamb that died of disease, but a lamb that died violently, (laughs) slit the throat. If Christ would have died of old age, he would not have atoned for our sins. If Christ would have died of some other disease, you could have said he died for me. No, 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 no. He died a violent death in my place. So it's sacrificial. So blood equals a violent death under the judgment of God. So when I talk about the blood will never lose its power, I'm really saying what the violent death of Christ on the cross will never lose its power. I'm not talking about blood plasma. The blood is shorthand for he died a violent death as my substitute. You do the trans, because when you talk to people, blood, what's this blood, and blood, man, what's blood got to do with it? It's shorthand for a violent death under the wrath of God as my substitute. We're not talking, he took his blood plasma. death On the basis of what he did on the cross, he was able now to pass through all the heavens and go into the true sanctuary and say, now God, I am going to represent my people on the basis of my violent death for their sins. So when you say, I'm saved by the blood, you are. It equals the cross. It equals the death of Christ. That's what we're talking about. Material substance doesn't save. A violent death in my place that God accepted. That's what he is really saying. He represents us on the basis of this blood. Third thing, his sacrificial death purchased eternal redemption. You notice this? He said uh, it brought about eternal redemption. Now, that's very, when you hear the word redemption, it means to be set free, delivered. Loosed. It was to set free slaves, captives, to be delivered from. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. The payment to unloose it. But why eternal redemption? Because the whole Levitical system never gave you eternal redemption. It never gave you eternal life. Only 360 days can you stay in the sacred community if I accept the sacrifice. Christ said, what I did on the cross gives you eternal redemption. It's forever. You're loose forever. You're loose forever. No more works. No more sacrifice. No. Just think of what world religion is working my way to heaven, and I can never do enough to be sure I've done enough. And we come, and he's telling these Hebrew listeners that are being persecuted, that are being tempted to go back to Judaism. They're afraid to break from the synagogue. They're afraid to break from all the Old Testament they've been raised on. It's their roots. It's their heritage. And he's saying, don't go back though it's costing you alienation from the Jewish community. Don't go back, though you're being persecuted. Don't go back. God's giving you his best. Don't go back. And I say to you, backslider, why are you going back? What's back? What are you leaving for? What are you gaining? What are you giving up Christ for? What's back there? If you give him up, what do you go back to? And religious man, why won't you accept the free gift of God and knowing that Christ did in six hours on the cross what you could not do in a million years? He purchased you in eternal redemption in six hours on the cross. The debt's been paid. The story is told of a uh, a tent revivalist in the Midwest that uh, they were breaking down the tent after a week of meetings, and a gentleman came and he approached them and he said, uh, "Sir, what are you doing?" "I we 'We're moving on to another meeting.'" And he said, uh, "Wait, wait! You can't do that. I, 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 I'm not saved. What can I do? What can I do?" And the evangelist was helping break down the tent. He said, "It's too late. It's too late." And the gentleman became distraught because the man kept saying, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. And finally the man said, no, that means I'm lost. The evangelist said, everything's been done. Would you receive it? There's nothing you can do to be saved but receive it, but believe it. The work's been done. Everything necessary to get you to heaven's been done. Why don't you receive it by faith? Just receive it. It's a gift. Some of you, you don't know that you're saved today. Why are you staying here unsaved? Why go to hell from a church? Why go to hell from this service? Have you ever received Christ and trust his work and not your works? Trust that he gives an eternal, not, I I don't need any middleman down here. I don't need to count beads. I don't have to genuflect. I don't have to do fasting and works and killing animals and giving offerings, all that. The offerings were because I love God, not because I'm trying to buy my way to heaven. I'm going there because he bought an eternal unleashing. Some of you are still bound. You're still in the chains of your sins. And Christ says, why don't you come to me? I bought eternal unleashing. Eternal unloosing from your sins. Then he says something finally. That he says, the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross does something in us. That the law never could do. You notice in verse 12, he said, animal blood could never, in verse, verse uh, 9, animal blood never perfected the conscience of the worshiper. Uh, the word conscience is used more in the book of Hebrews than in the other book. What is conscience? Most Americans have lost it. And there's an article, uh, you know that book, there's a Jewish man that just wrote this book. If I get the title, The Path to Character. Is that Costco? It's becoming a bestseller. What's that? The Road to Character. Jewish man used to write for New York Times. I just read the critique of the book. And he's saying America's lost the sense of uh, guilt. Uh, We've lost the idea of shame. We've lost the idea of sin. Because when everything's relative, nothing's right or wrong. So you can, and and so when you lose the idea of guilt, uh, he writes, uh, you have forfeited your soul. You can never, there's nothing you can ever repent of because you're never wrong. You're never wrong. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. It's okay. As one man that was an atheist was saying everything was okay. And so the gentleman said, so I could rape your wife. Hey, man, don't mess. No, no, no. You said everything's okay. I would kill your mother. No, who do you think you are? There's no right or wrong. If the six million Jews had been six million Germans, would it have been wrong? What makes it wrong? Is there a standard? Is there a right? Is there a wrong? And this Jewish writer, who sounds like an evangelical Christian, who does not claim to be, he said, we've lost the conscience. Conscience, if I had a scale up here, and we did it this way, On one side of the scale, we put knowledge. Because the word conscience uh, is made of two Greek words, soon and our word science. So it means to know together with. I know something together about myself. So over here is my knowledge, what I know. And over here is my behavior, what I do. Get it? I know to do good. But I know I didn't. I know I shouldn't lie, but I know I lied. I know things about myself that nobody knows but God and I. And sometimes my conscience is smitten. Because he says, we even did things that we know led to death. Purify our conscience, in verse 14, from dead works that's believed to be not just works we did, but works deserving of death. I got away with it. Oh, I I never had an abortion, but I slept around all the way through college. I just never got caught. But I did what it takes to get pregnant. I just never got caught. Yeah, I'm a thief. I just never got caught. And conscience, he said, Old Testament sacrifices never penetrated a person's conscience. Never could cleanse it. They kept knowing they weren't right. They kept knowing I don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel comfortable in the presence of God because he and I know things against me. The blood of Christ he said cleanses your conscience. It cleanses so deep it purifies our conscience and washes out things that we know that we've done wrong. And it is able to scrub it and say, I'm going to scrub it, put it behind you. And based upon the cross work I've done, I'm going to give you a clean conscience so you can feel comfortable in God's presence. And so going to say that in chapter 10. You come right into the presence of God with a clean conscience conscience. You see, guilt and shame are two of the greatest uh, weights we bear. Guilt is I should be penalized. I've done things for which I should be caught and I should pay. But a a greater problem is shame, which is I, I don't like what I am. And once again, popular psychology said we should never experience shame. We do. We should never experience guilt. We do. Especially an enlightened group like these Jewish believers that grew up on the law, and he said, "Why, I'd rather have Jesus. He can take and scrub me and do something in the inner man that's not just external washings, external ceremonies, and all of this and that. I wash this and I wash this. Say, but I'm dirty inside." I'm dirty inside. I'm accused inside. My conscience is saying you're guilty. You know you're guilty. Worse all the water you want. Be baptized a thousand times. You'll still feel the guilt. There's only one cure for guilt. And that was settled at Calvary in Christ. When he bore the crimes you did to deserve death. He even covers adultery. He even covers murder. Murder. Do you think Paul was a murderer? He consented to it. Go ahead and kill Stephen. I'll hold your I'll hold your garbage while you kill him. Matter of fact I'm going to go up to Damascus. And what are you going to do to those Christians Paul? He's not going to give them an offering. He's going to imprison them. He's going to pull them before the Sanhedrin. And he wants what what happened to Stephen to happen to them. And yet, God saved him, cleansed him. And guess what? My conscience does not accuse me because Luther used to say when he would get in a dark moment in a dismal moment he used to have a crucifix in his uh, study and when he would be accused and under attack by the enemy he would get on his knees and he'd point to that crucifix and he said devil right there is my sin devil right there deal with him deal with him I stand before God because of him and that's how we stand before God Because of him. Because of him. That's why I call this message, why I'd rather have Jesus. I don't need an Aaronic priest. I don't need an earthly tabernacle. I don't need a once a year. You know what? What's scary? Do you know your local representative at Congress? Everyone who knows your congressman, go. Raise your hand. Now, let me ask you. He's in the house of representatives. Do you feel represented? It scares you, doesn't it? This is what this is. Jesus said, as Aaron represented Israel once a year with all of his perfections, I've taken over all the duties. I will represent my people forever. As he represented you in an earthly tabernacle, I'll represent you in the true tabernacle in the third heaven. As he represented you based upon animal blood, I'll represent you based upon the finished work I accomplished at the cross. As his work ended because he died and they constantly had to put in a new priest, get this, I'm in office forever. And I will represent you forever. I will represent you forever. What a Savior. What a Savior. Father, I pray for those who still feel dirty and some don't just feel dirty, they are dirty for they've never come to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins that can wash them white as snow make them pure. The blood of the Passover lamb has been slain. I pray if there's anyone here who is lost who's come with a family member, a friend, or are in search of an answer for, when can I get rid of this gnawing conscience? When can I get rid of the guilt? When can I ever feel clean before God? Does God want me in his presence? And yet I hear Jesus say, Peter, you're going to deny me, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you that you can be with me forever in the presence of God and there'll be no one that will kill you there there'll be no threats you'll be there based upon my marriage and nobody will be able to kick you out of heaven forever Jesus I feel I'm in your presence now you said I am because I come to the Father through you Jesus the new and living way you're the new temple of God. You said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And they thought it was Solomon's temple. But he said, no, I'm the temple. I'm the, the new place where you find the presence of God. I'm the meeting place. And Lord Jesus, there's some people here today that's are still trusting their works. Or they're still a slave to their conscience that is accusing accusing you don't measure up you're not good enough you never will be you've sinned you snuck around you've never been exposed you've never been caught you're a jerk and you know you deserve hell and all they need to do is flee to Christ and say all that's true but I cling to you Christ my hope is built on nothing less And Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But I will wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been given eternal redemption. I ask, is there anyone here today that you want to make further inquiry about your soul, that you don't believe you're going to heaven, but you would like to go, and you want to settle it today. Are you here? If you'll raise your hand, we'll know you're here, and we'll meet you later in the front. Some of us pastors will pray with you. We'll give you literature. We'll explain the way more fully if we can. We want to help you know God.
1: So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864.